So hello, 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 everybody on this beautiful, beautiful weekend. This is Desiree coming to you from Queer Love Light, this queer portal of love and light that I've started to bring more love, more light to the world, especially our LGBTQ community to share spiritual musings and insights and activate our own innate power of healing. So today, I'm very excited to bring you a guest, um, a very, very special guest, uh, Iris Akbar, who is a transmasculine person who was born and raised in Malaysia, oh, in Singapore, sorry, in Malaysia, it's me, sorry, in Singapore, which is the neighbor of Malaysia. Um, and uh, she's known as a, as a Rajak, and I will get her to explain that word, which is such a dear um, word, a close to heart uh, to me as well, which means, you know, mixed match heritage of Malay, Indonesian, Chinese, and Arab. She's a certified uh, choice theory reality therapist and has a degree in psychology, and she is a very accomplished counselor. So. Today, I'd like to bring Iris on because we'd love to ask her about her journey in reclaiming her spirituality as a queer Muslim. So as we know, we know a lot of uh, LGBTQ folks may feel disconnected um, in one way or another from our spirituality or the spiritual tradition or religion that we were raised in. Uh, because of different issues of perhaps of acceptance or discrimination or, or othering. So it is a, it's a theme that's very, very dear uh, to me because I, I feel that spirituality and religion can help us realign ourselves um, with our true selves to live to our higher potential. So I love to invite all of us to learn from Iris's journey and on how she um, reclaimed her spirituality that empowered her on her journey as a queer Muslim. So without further ado, let us welcome Iris. Hello, Iris. I apologize. If, you know, I introduced you as a Malaysian. So. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> People uh, here in Canada think that I'm Filipino, which is also fine. <laughs> so this, this is the true um, diversity, right? Um, you know, and, and there's also always that joke, you know, of, of Malaysians and Singaporeans calling each other... Um, <laughs> Brothers and sisters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, the, and that's not wrong because my grandmother is from Malaysia and uh, born and raised in Malaysia and migrated to Singapore because of during that federation uh, before the Singapore independence. So yeah, I'm fine with it. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I say, you know, Iris. You know, I was so thrilled to uh, read about you. On, on CBC and and uh, I, I I right away wanted to reach out to to, to um to connect with you and, and learn more about your journey because um on my journey as a, a queer I have not met too many um, Malaysians or Singaporeans um, from our region um, on this journey really very few and far between if you if you, if you will you know I've been um you know uh. And up and queer for you know decades now, but but on my journey, I have really met very very few, other than the ones of course back home. You know, you know now we're in Canada, so I've not really met too many. So again, you know, I really want to thank um, the universe for connecting us uh, together. And today, um, I'd love to really uh, have um, the world. Uh, whoever is watching this to, to learn about uh, your journey. So uh, so tell us, you know, how did you, um, first of all, uh, let's start from the beginning. Let's start from the beginning. Like, how did you come to terms, you know, discover who you are, and then, um, and in the context of your spiritual tradition or your religion as Muslim, how did that shape you uh, and um, informed your, your journey? Mm. 
So when, when people ask me to share about my journey, um, the first part of my life, I can remember clearly uh, compromises more of my gender identity. Um, so as much as when I was young and I have developed consciousness, uh, my identity as feeling being born in the wrong body was something that I recognized first or was confused first. Um, I, I mean, like the world tell me and my family tell me that I'm a girl, born a girl, right? But um, being very small, when you are like four, five, six years old, the thing I can feel is that I feel like a boy and I want to be a boy. And um, religious identity is, or the racial identity actually comes secondary for me, you know. So sex and gender was the first part where I realized first. And then, um, then of course, the next things I know is who I am in regards to race and um, ethnicity, um, you know. I'm born in a Malay household, but my family used to tell me that like, oh, you have a descendant of Chinese, Arab uh, family, um, you know. Uh, my grandfather is from Indonesia. So that's where you, the term called Rojak comes in, right? So it's a mismatch of everything. So there's another area of confusion for me because I am not uh, monoracial. I'm multiracial in that sense. So when people ask me like, you look like Chinese, but you speak Malay, you know, who are you and what are you? And then, then third comes the religious identity where, you know, uh, I'm born yeah. Muslim, um, taught the Islamic uh, teachings, uh, culture, uh, you know, going to Muslim uh you know, madrasa, Muslim schools, uh, or Muslim weekend school. Um, and my family, my parents at least, they are pretty strict. And um, they, I, it's a, I would say, some people look at it as a privilege, some people don't. But I see it as a privilege that I have been nurtured, uh, the religious and the faith um, teachings since young. And that kind of built my strong connection to Islam and my Muslim identities. But it is challenging because um, as you learn about the world and that being, at that time, there's no word transgender, right? So the word that I know is I like somebody of a same sex. And I don't even know the word at that period of time as well. So only much later on when I was like 9 or 10 that I discovered the word homosexuality. But the world tell you that being homosexual, especially in a Muslim household or background, is wrong. Um, so there's a huge confusion and questioning whether like, am I wrong? Um, is it going to be a scene? Uh, how am I going to grow up? It's so... It's so confusing um, that, you know, I, actually the question is that you don't even know where to start, right? Yeah, so that was how my early life was like. Yeah, I wanted to, um, uh, to uh, you know, share with our perhaps non-Malaysian, non-Singaporean listeners out there uh, what the meaning of the word project. You know, Rajak is a, uh, we all know, it's a local dish of uh, a food salad, you know. It's a Malaysian or Singaporean, you know, food salad. And, um, I think the food salad, you know, describes what Iris is trying to say about her, her identity, her sexual, her gender identity as a mixed match of, um, of, a, of a food salad bowl. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, so that's what Rajak means, and uh, I myself identify very much with that. You know, um, I'm I'm not mixed race. But I I was um, brought up in very very diverse cultures. You know, uh, I, I also grew up in Japan, so I I've, I'm also mixed matched in a lot of ways. So I I definitely empathize with you 
um, it, to some degree um, in the experience. So, um, so as you grew up, so um, so then how did you how did you then uh, you know find your truth that you were confused? You didn't even know the term. It was the same with me. You know, I grew yeah. up in the in the eighties and nineties. You know, as, as a queer. So, how how, how did you find um, your uh, your 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 truth? So in an 80s, when you're talking about doing the 80s, that was when um, the Islamic culture became a bit more prominent, uh, where people are wearing more hijab, um, you know, the, where the mosques are teaching more strict Muslim uh, teachings, you know, um, where I think we, we in our Southeast Asia region, you notice that is more influence coming from the Saudi Arabia side so my parents uh particularly my mother she is religious um and she she make it her point that um she has her goal um actually i'm the first child in my family and her goal was and her hope was for me to go to go into madrasa school uh to be an islamic scholar so i've been really nurtured very young um, you know, studying Quranic, uh, studying the Quran, um, going for classes, um, even like my house is only five minutes away from the mosque. We practically spend our weekends at the mosque, you know. So she wanted to build that foundation of Islam within me, the knowledge and everything. So I, I, I got uh, many years in fact actually from I remember from the age of 6 years old up until I am about in my early 20s have such a strong connection to uh, the mosque uh, have a strong connection with the mosque and the teachings uh, has also volunteer with uh, Jamia uh, Muslim Association so I was pretty quite involved in that sense um, so religion was uh, strongly introduced in my family. However, on the other hand, of course, I have kept my secret identity and the yearning and, you know, um, the confusion that is a point of time that, you know, of course, you feel like you want to fit in. Maybe try to like a boy and see how it goes. Maybe you can change your mind. But it doesn't fit well. You know, somehow inside me tells me like this is not right. It doesn't. It doesn't just suit. It it doesn't click, right? So um, so it was hard. I would say that like the journey of reconciling my religion and uh, my identity, the gender identity, was a long life journey. Um, there was a lot of battles. Even at the age of 21, as I discover who I am, I tried to explore a bit more of my gender identity. I had this false belief that, like, uh, even uh, one of my ex-best friends, I actually said that, like, we agree that we will turn straight when we are 21 years old. Because that is the way to do. You know what I mean? Or we will leave this life behind. Be taught with that, we thought that we can turn, uh, and be who we are, you know. Who who is also gay or queer? You had yes. a friend. Oh, okay. Yes, correct. And we were also like my best friend and I was uh also coming from the same background, you know, uh, same culture. So we also have the same knowledge in in that sense, right? So we thought that this can be. Uh, we can be converted to uh, heterosexuality, you know. <laughs> but it, it it is not that way. Uh, I have never an inkling of a attraction to the opposite sex. Not at all. I tried to in uh, when I was in my polytechnic. I I would say that as a young person, I I was quite popular. Uh, towards the opposite sex, somehow the opposite sex find me attractive. Um, you know, in polytechnic, I tried to date a boy, uh, for a day, and it just felt wrong. It's just how heterosexual tried to be homosexual. It just felt wrong for them. That is how I feel. So I felt that like, yeah, hang on there. 
you know, if I feel so wrong, then it's it's not wrong. I mean, like I'm not wrong because you know, and there should be a way that I can reconcile my uh Muslim identity and my faith and my gender identity. But there was no space in Singapore or in the religious space for us to explore that. So it has been a ups and down journey for me. Um, um, I was finding a lot of space trying to explore my gender identity and trying to leave behind my religious identity because I already feel that I was quite equipped and also not only equipped, I was also going through the religious trauma because of all the homophobic teachings that you hear and they make you feel so wrong about yourself, right? It causes self-doubt. So I had such a great fear to even face myself, you know, when it comes to religious-wise. There's always that underlying uncertainty whether I would die and end up in hell. Right, because that is what the teaching taught you, you know. Um, but there's something inside me feel that I'm good, and there's something inside me feels that like I need to give myself a chance to explore this gender identity. And that opportunity I got when I was uh, doing my degree in Australia, um, I was there and I spent my three years there living as a queer person. Um, openly um, and I felt good about myself that period of time and if my family were to hear this they also feel that I may have left Islam for a while I don't think I left Islam but I kind of put it at the back you know while I focus on who I am I was still very much a Muslim uh, but I felt very comfortable you know of who I am. So I find that it's so important for me to find a space uh, that I could be a good Muslim and a good queer person as well. But the challenge comes in when I came back to Singapore and, you know, again, we face all this uh, backlash from family, from society, and there is no religious space that I could reach out to where I can find uh, a good balance in this and sadly in fact actually uh, I have a lot of connection among the queer community in Singapore and some Muslim queer friends and a few of them um, they had to make a choice whether to be a queer person or whether to be a Muslim person right because both some most people believe that they can't be together so I have friends who left Islam I have friends who be queer but don't practice Islam. I have friends who are queer and have such a re huge religious trauma towards Islam. They rather not talk about it or not rather face it, right? But I have friends who are both, who are in my position, but they don't dare to go work in activism and advocate uh, for this. And they rather, uh, you know, be in the closet because it's safe for them and you know um, they worry that they will be harmed by their families and community uh, which are valid worries and and therefore uh, not many people can see that uh, a, a queer Muslim who's open and you know who can reconcile this um, my yeah. little yeah mm -hmm. yeah it's it's just it's so much more difficult when you're living in that um, society that imposes their, you know, um, values on you, and and you don't, as you said, you don't have the space to explore or be yourself, right? Yep. It's, it's easier for yourself and myself, who have left that society, that country, to be able to be in a safe place. Yep. Right. To, to um, at least find a safe place to to live that and explore that. Yeah. So, what would you say is is your was your turning point? You know, when you were in, in Australia, what was your turning point to uh, reconcile your your queerness and and, and your your Muslim um, identity? 
there was a uh, three turning point one turning point was i'm a big reader i like to read a lot so you know with the internet uh you know you read uh, uh news beyond singapore uh, and mostly about the world right so one turning point was that um, with the internet and you know having a handphone with internet i began to read articles about queer islamic scholars from america and canada so some of the writings from scott kugel um i found out about him i found out about our queer gay imam dai online it was a huge thing that was a gay imam in america i read about junet jahansir uh, which is one of my good friend now um he wrote a lot he's a professor in mcewen he wrote a lot of uh uh queer topic in islam um he's got a lot of articles on that so i read a lot about that and and it just blew my mind like these are people who are practicing queer muslims you know and they you know they are spiritual you know they are loyal as well you know so they are, they were inspiring that is one point and 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 i begin to see that like hey this can happen this can happen to me at that period of time as well i was actually uh, pursuing a diploma in islamic studies um with actually malaysian university that uh, was uh, has a institution in singapore um yeah and and that inspired me to learn more about islam uh going for classes uh you know to equip myself more of uh, the islamic knowledge so that i know where i am in, within the religion so that is one and then second thing is um that helps me was actually interestingly it my non muslim friends so people will say that like you know um and a lot of muslims say that muslims should be friend muslims right because then you will be positively influenced with your religion uh you know you you live a life of uh being a muslim but it was my non muslim queer friends who actually uh helped me to connect with other muslim who are progressive who you know who believe the same thing that i believe you know they may be they are who are, are allies um who feel that like you know hey you know you can reconcile your um, islam and your gender identity and that you are okay so they helped me have create a network and through that network um i actually uh, form a uh queer muslim women group called mufarida in singapore it was one part of period of time and that was the third part of my life where in my middle 30s i came out to my family and i received a of course uh, a bad bad backlash from my family and i was uh, oh oh uh, rejected and i was feeling pretty suicidal because i felt like i was in the bottom pit of my world to know that i was losing my family so my partner uh, uh mother who is my mother in law now actually told me that um when i consulted her and expressed my you know my problems and then she told me this like iris if you feel this way i'm pretty sure there are other muslim queer feels this way too and they don't have a space you know uh, for them to tell their problems or to look for other muslim to support that have you ever considered building that space for other muslim and for yourself to connect with the same people you know who are at loss and who are looking for connection and that was how mufarida was founded through my non muslim friends who connect me with other queer muslims and we develop close relationship um a, a close group among ourselves who we supported each other through queer conversation through conversation about islam you know or just having a social gathering just about anything so that really helps as well you know mm-hmm. uh, yeah
Yeah, I'm, I'm so happy for you, you know. I mean, you of course, come out the other side, you know, strong and, and um, bold and wiser. Um, mm -hmm. I'm just curious, um, what what did you read uh, from the queer Muslim scholars uh, in the West that helped you, you know, embolden yourself and, and re-empower yourself, uh, you know, in your space? Can you share maybe some, you know, insights, wisdom of, of maybe how they interpreted in, um, Islam in a different way that uh, makes it safe for you? Mm. Um, I, it's very hard for me to point out for Junaid Jahangsir um, any particular article that he wrote. I read a few of his articles. Um, and he was deb debating about a space uh, for queers in Islam. And he was also debating about like how, you know, uh, you know, being queer is not a sin. Uh, so there was some, I couldn't remember the title of his uh, writing, but there was some uh, writings that he wrote about that. The other thing that was impactful was his uh, book uh, with his uh, good friend, Hussein, um, that wrote about same-sex union in Islam. Um, that was a turning point uh, with regards to um, permissibility of same-sex marriages in the Islamic context. Uh, I read that book as well. So um, where he, both of them presented that you know, um, in the teaching of Islam, there is a, we can debate uh, and there's a theory that, you know, um, that, you know, same-sex marriage can uh, is permissible in Islam because it's not a going against the teaching. There's one. My most major uh, book that was very important to me was Homosexuality in Islam by Scott Google. That book was precious. Uh, that book was very enlightening to me because Scott Google went into analyzing the Quranic verses, analyzing the stories of Prophet Law, analyzing the Sunnah from Muhammad and giving, uh, expanding on the interpretation and debunking that the term homosexuality, you know, um, was misinterpreted. And that, um, like, uh, even in Muhammad's uh, time, you know, Muhammad actually has people from different gender that he allowed in his space and communication with his wife, right? So, quite did a very uh, important scholarly work in that book. And that kind of opened up my feeling about myself. Like, oh, wow, you know, like, you know, this is so important uh, um, for who I am. On the other hand, I was also privileged to be invited to a conference in Southeast Asia. I wouldn't say where is it, because that was a secret conference um, that was a queer affirming, and we had some. We had two scholars from Indonesia who talk about queer identity. So one of my friends, you know, he signed me up for this conference. He thought that like I would benefit because at that period of time I was still at reconciling. I wasn't so sure, you know. And I went to this conference and listened to two uh, prominent is uh, Indonesian Islamic scholar, and they also uh, assured the gender identity that they actually uh, affirmed that you know, we can reconcile your gender identity with who you are and that there was no mention in the Quran that, you know, um, that gen like certain gender identity 
you know, there's no mention, there's no mention of homosexuality in in the Quran. That is the story about the Lord, but that is um, depending on interpretation, you know, how you read that story during that era. Um, and sometimes interpretation, you know, only means to what it means to that person, right? So, yeah, so I... I gain all these other knowledges from uh, all the other scholars. So it has been very helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what would you say today? Um, you, where are you at with, with your, um, with your um, you know, queerness and, and Muslim? Where are you at now today? I'm very comfortable with, like, when you look at personally, who I am, I feel that um Allah and me that relationship you know um it's secure I, I I am comfortable with that whether or not like um how I do my Islamic practices you know there is certain Islamic practices like prayer fasting you know I can say that I'm being a human there because I of course I have my weaknesses uh, that I couldn't uh, practice as much as I want. But when it comes to being a Muslim, I am comfortable. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm proud because there's many different kinds of Muslim out there. There's diversity of Muslim identities. But um, my religious identity is private. Uh, I'm also very protective of my religious identities because uh, we get uh, criticized from Muslims themselves, from non-Muslims themselves for being Muslim, you know. So I would say that like my Muslim identity is pretty private to me uh, and my religious practices, I do the best that I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you can you share what in your you know spirituality that you really value um, and and helps you as a spiritual being you know that helps mm-hmm. you grow that helps you uh, live your your higher truth. So mm-hmm. values of Islam that you really really value. Mm-hmm. Um, in you know when you when one some person goes to a religious uh, Islamic classes, they will learn some subjects, uh, Islamic subjects, right? Uh, they will learn some subject called Tawheed. Uh, they will learn Tajweed, how to read the Quran. Uh, Tawheed is knowing Allah. Uh, they will learn about he- um, the history of Islam. They will learn about Fiqih, which is the practices of a Muslim. Uh, of course, they will learn Islamic law. Uh, they will learn about the Quran. So, um, you know, and they will learn about akhlaq, which is moral. So there's many subjects that you, the uh, person will, can learn, and a lot more, right? But when I was learning about Islam, there are two subjects that I am very drawn to. That is two. One is Tawheed. That means knowing Allah and his, his, her, her, they characteristic. So, you know, um, like, you know, words like Allah is generous, Allah is um, forgiving, right? So there's 99 characters and what does all the 99 character means? And I like learning about them because those characters, I feel that that characters guide me, that characters actually help me build my connection with God and also guide me to build my own character in my own life, you know? Not that I I strive to be God, no, I don't. But at least I can have, out of 99, maybe I can have five characters that I, 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 I want innate in me, all right? Or I strive to be. So... So that that was very important to me. As I understand about God, I understand about myself. And I understand about the human me as well. And, you know, uh, and then, uh, akhlaq, 
uh, attitude, morals. Um, I'm also very drawn to that. I learn. I love uh, learning about uh, your attitude towards people, your morals, um, how to treat other people uh, good, right? Um, because I, I, I told you before, like one of the things that helped me reconcile with Islam is knowing deep inside me I'm a good person. So if I'm a good person, how can I be sinful? You know, that's such a huge contradiction. And in my everyday life, and even in my career right now, I am so drawn that I want to be there for people and I want to help people in the way that they want me to guide them, right? So how can that be wrong for me, you know? So I always find that like maybe my gender identity is one part of me, but there is other parts of me that is more than my gender identity. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that that's so beautiful. And I, I'm just wondering, you know, um, you know, what you've learned or, or relearned or reclaimed from um, the teachings of Islam that have really helped you uh, accept who you are and and be able to come into yourself and and be comfortable there is there something you know you'd like to share that from the islamic teachings that really um help you um i can share a few one in islamic teaching um I, I believe a lot of Muslims believe uh, uh, in this, that the truth is really important to us, right? So when you talk about a lot, uh, to a lot of Muslims, they, they are prideful in a sense that they believe that uh, Islam is the truth. And they talk about Islam not as a religion, but it's a way of life, you know? Uh, it guides you in in the way that you behave, the way that you eat. There's a lot of guidance in even how to shower, how to have sex, right? It's a, it's a way of life. It's more than religion. And 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 a lot of Muslims seek for the truth, you know? So that is something that guides me. What is true for me? So a lot of people find the truth in the truth in in God, uh, their relationship in God. But I think what was important to me is the truth to myself. How can I be true to myself? Because when it comes with gender identity, right, that most people who are heterosexual didn't have to face that challenges, you know, but I had. I had to face that challenge because I need to know who I am. I'm, I'm sure some people, even if they're heterosexual, you know, they do find a way of trying to find who the real person are, you know, who are the true you. Because up until you find the truth for who you are, then can you connect with uh, the superior being, right? Which is God. So, so a lot of people have been pushing me to find the truth and they always talk about the truth in the teaching of Islam but I take a step forward to find the truth in myself so that is one um, in a lot of um, the teaching of Islam uh, I go I do give a lot of credit to the life and the teaching of Prophet Muhammad to me, he is an exemplary being. And as I think a lot of Muslims, they try to live the life or the ways that he does. Now, the thing about Muhammad is that we tend to forget one of the teachings was that he was privileged. There was a history where when he was born, two angels came down to him and cleansed his heart. Therefore, he is a special pure being. He's not like us. That is something that I know. Therefore, he is an example, right? He is 
guided by God. While we are quite different, we we do not have two angels cleansing our heart. We will make mistakes. We will somehow, uh, you know, uh, go through up and down in life. Right? We get distracted. Right? But but what what I am drawn to Muhammad is that his kindness. His kindness towards others, his kindness towards people of a different uh, religion, you know, he his humility, you know, um, of even though he is special in God's eyes, but he's he doesn't he doesn't you know he doesn't for, forget about uh, being human, right? So so you know. I like those qualities that I see in Muhammad. And unfortunately, a lot of Muslims that criticizes me do not exemplify his kindness, do not exemplify his compassion. And 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 that is what I want to you know practice more in my life. Yeah. Yeah, that's very beautiful. I think um, what you shared actually um, is very true to a lot of religions. Mm-hmm. You know, every religion is about seeking the truth, about mm-hmm. finding your truth and connecting to that higher power, higher mm-hmm. consciousness, whatever you call that. You know, in 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 your spiritual t- tradition or your religion, whether it's God or you know, Elohim, or you know, what ha- or Allah, or what have you. So, um, so that's really beautifully put because a lot of people, um, you know, who are um, on this journey would be able to, um, I would say, uh, you know, identify with that. And one of the things I, I'm so passionate about bringing these. Uh, stories and these sharing these experiences with um, our LGBTQ community is because I know a lot of us have been hurt along the way, like yourself, you know, by the um, organized religion institutions, you know, the people, the, the society who uh, impose their belief systems and their perceptions on uh, on. Um, what they know or believe it as the right way of practicing a certain religion or spiritual tradition. So, you know, it's my hope, you know, by sharing these stories that uh, um, more LGBTQ folks out there can also find their own way of reclaiming their spirituality or reinventing their spirituality, you know, that, that, Help them and, and fit in their own um, path of uh, of growth, of of becoming who they truly are. So, um, so it's it's very very um, insightful, you know, what you shared with, with us today about what you've learned from Islam and and you know and what you said about the Prophet Muhammad is is very heart touching to hear, you know, um, because. You know, for every spiritual tradition or religion, there's always this spiritual figure, leader that that we aspire to become or mm-hmm. to follow in, in his or her uh, footsteps, so that we can also be a more elevated being like mm-hmm. them. You know, yeah. um, encompassing all those qualities, all those positive qualities. You know, that they have exemplified in their way of life and. And so, so I, I I also feel that you know religion and spirituality is truly um, a a uh, a way of life, really. You know, a way of living. and a lot of the um, the very rigid rules or or, or um, you know uh, principles that perhaps are not so accepting of others are are really man made. Mm-hmm. They're not God made. Yep. You know, the perceptions and the prejudices. Yeah. So I, I think it's it's um everybody will have their own path, you know, mm-hmm. 
rediscovering and reconnecting with that the essence of, of the teachings, mm-hmm. which, which are, if it's really correct and, and it's really the truth, um, mm-hmm. it's pure. It, it would be pure. It would not, um, uh, you know, othering other people or, or forcing other people to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. And if they're not conforming to, to their way, then it's the highway, you know, that's yeah. to be the pure essence that, you know, that, um, that are supposed to be, uh, you know, true spirituality, at least, you know, that's how I experience it myself. Mm. So, so yeah, so, like, what would your um, uh, wise words be for fellow Muslims up there who may still be struggling or, you know, um, trying to reconcile their, mm-hmm. their uh, identity with their religion. And what would your um, wise words be for them? Um, one of my, I would like uh, for folks to consider is that having spirituality and religion or faith in whatever pathway you choose uh, is important. Uh, our well-being uh, is not about just physical, emotional, uh, psychological, but there is a huge component of spirituality. And, you know, whatever path you choose, uh, whether you want to find connection with nature, whether you want to find connection with uh, an organized religion, by all means, go ahead. Because, you know, that, as you can see, research has shown there is a lot of benefits to having a spirituality or faith. Now, on, for those who are thinking about reconciling, I would advise you to take it slow. Uh, you know, find out what is important for you. Uh, I don't know, everyone has a different way. You know, um, you know. Sometimes you, some people find that if they are comfortable with being working on themselves, some people like to connect with others. Um, so, like my way is, I rather work on myself, uh, like reading books, um, listening to podcasts. You know, um, but some people, um, and. Sometimes you have to connect or disconnect from toxicity. People who uh, make you self-doubt about yourself, you know, who criticize all these negative voices, you have to disconnect yourself away from them too because they are disruption uh, to your journey when you want to reconcile. On the other hand, as you disconnect from those toxic voices, you want to connect with affirming voices. Whether, doesn't matter, whether it's your non-Muslim friends, whether your Muslim friends, you want to build that social support that uh, guide you and who can also help you to expand with other connection, other readings, you know, uh, or point you the, to the right person or the right organization that, you know, they can play a part. And the other thing is, trust your life. You know, if you have your intuition and deep inside you have good intention, the in- good intention will bring you to the right path. Yes, thank you. That's so important what you just shared there. Thank you so much. And, you know, which, which also, also brings um, me to ask you about... Uh, your choice of a career, um, because I think the advice that you just gave is is very much I think along the lines of what you do uh, in your professional life. So you want to maybe talk about how you came uh, about to becoming a counselor and uh, and share a little bit about your the work that you do today. Um. Well, initially, I'm actually trained as uh, I did a diploma in electrical engineering because uh, upon my advice from my dad, who has good intention, who feels that like um, there's a lot of jobs in that field and I could do well. Uh, I was pretty good in science. 
So, you know, he advised me to go into engineering field. And I did, you know, seeing that I thought that like, I could be like, a, a little bush queer person who is in the engineering field. But as I pursued that, I I realized that I'm not good. I'm not cut out for engineering. I, I didn't do well. I actually struggled a lot. And I was quite lost as to what are my career passion. Until I realized... Um, my mom, on the other hand, has actually nurtured me uh, to do a lot of volunteering and helping people. And I realized that I really like uh, doing uh, helping work. So I explore what are the helping careers out there. And some of the helping careers, I, I find that I'm good at listening to people's problems and being there for them. So I was uh, exploring to be a counsellor or psychologist. And that is where I decided to do my degree in psychology. And then that's, and, 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 and that falls naturally. Great. Yeah. So what do you do now? What is your, uh, what is the, the work that you're doing now? Um, I'm a counsellor for the LGBTQ community centre in my city, Saskatoon. Um, so I work for this organization called Out Saskatoon. Um, we um, cater uh, to the queer community here. We have we run programs, we run counseling services, um, we do advocacy work. So generally, a lot of work in that area. Right, right. And yeah. and, and how did you end up in Saskatoon of all places in Canada? <laughs> <laughs> well, because uh, I was pursue my master degree um, and I joined the University of Regina in Saskatchewan so I we we landed in Canada in Regina and I completed my master degree and that is when uh, after the end of my master degree then I went I got a job uh, at Saskatoon and then we moved to Saskatoon where the where I got a job at the community center great and so how, how do you find the community there in Saskatoon? Any um, queer community there that you, I'm sure you are part of that, yeah. because especially because of your line of work. But in yes. terms of uh, queer Muslim community, uh, have you uh, found one? Um, it has, I mean, talking about community in Saskatchewan alone, um, you know, when it's Malaysian and Singaporeans, uh, a lot of people avoid the prairies, you know, and don't come to Saskatchewan. Um, but I think that this is one of the best moves we make. Uh, we love being in Saskatchewan. We love the community here. Uh, with the queer Muslim community, um, it's very small. So when we landed in Regina, um, a lot of Muslim community actually uh, Southeast Asian and the Middle East folks. Um, and because I bring my old uh, trauma from my religion, so I try not, I try to avoid being within the Muslim community because we know the teachings and the beliefs of what being queer is. And we are very careful about our safety. Um, and while I'm working in uh, Saskatoon, I have been a strong advocate for queer Muslims and try my best to create queer Muslim spaces. Uh, but I think that there's still a lot of progress to be made because a lot of people, they are still very careful about coming out, right? So at the moment, I am doing small advocacy uh, work. If someone wants to connect with another queer Muslim, I give them one-on-one -on -one support. We did have a monthly queer Muslim group uh, at my organization, um, you know, but the population is too small. Uh, not many people attended. So we took a break and I just focus on one-on-one -on -one support right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of work to be done. And I'm wondering, you know, especially because of the uh, pandemic, you know, um, everything has moved online, you know, like, for example, I, I lead this, this, uh, I've been leading this meditation group for the Civilized Wingdom Center, you know, um, for for the past five years, and and um, 
we've moved online because of the pandemic and and you know in that way i'm actually be able to connect with more people some sometimes even across the country yeah. so i'm wondering maybe you could also do something in the same way not not you know limited to saskatchewan but more like the club canada you know um network that you could be a uh, part of yeah, I've been I've been thinking about that. I mean, I've got like uh creating uh network with Salam Canada. I've got like you know, building friendships there. Um, uh, I've got uh my own small uh queer Muslim community here. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I am open to see what works at this moment. Uh, but I am one person right now, so you know, there's um uh, not much that I can do. Um, but you know, I am, I guess I'm waiting for the right time and the right idea. I have a lot of ideas in my head, but yeah, we'll see how, how it goes. Right. Yeah. So there's just, I think you have your, your work cut out for you, Iris, yes. because, you know, there is especially, you know, for, um, you know, the queer Muslim folks back home, especially, you know, I think your story would, would be very, very uh, inspiring for people to hear and, and, and also, um, you know, for for offering guidance to 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 those folks at home as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes? yeah. So, um, so I'd like to ask you, you know, what do, what kind of like a spiritual practice do you do? You know, to to to, to connect um, with with your um, your spirituality. Can you share maybe one in terms of maybe like in the prayer or what what have you? Yeah, praying is definitely uh, one, but I still struggle with praying, you know. Um, but some of my spiritual practices are like reading. Um, if I have time, reading the Quran. Um, fasting is one, you know. I I believe very much in fasting, um, charity work. Um, that is uh, one, and of course I. I, you know, I hope in, in the future going to Hajj, there is another one, right? So, so um, um, my spirituality is, my biggest one is definitely reading. Whether reading Quran books, whether reading Islamic books, you know, uh, reading, uh, connecting with uh, other queer Muslims, you know, uh, finding out uh, what is the, current new articles uh you know yeah so so you don't you don't chant you don't chant uh too no. much okay no. yeah <laughs> uh chant chant for us is called zikir uh well occasionally occasionally i i i, I do my doa occasionally uh but not the long-term zikir yeah right and, and you, you don't go to the mosque either no uh, uh, not to the boss. Right. So, so you very much practice at home on your yeah. own, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because I, I, I was born and raised in in a Muslim country, so I know how how big prayer is. You know, in, yes. in the traditional in the tradition of Islam. So yeah. So I was just curious. There's also all kinds of ways of practicing your 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 religion, but I was just curious about that so yeah. in, in one um <clears throat> nutshell or one word you know one sentence how would you how would you define faith for you like what does faith mean to you in one sentence faith to me is a natural uh, river of blood flow in me is is this part of me so it it runs like it it, it runs within me is is supposed to be me yeah right and and in that in that regard um you know what what, what does it mean to you know yes it's it's it runs through you it, it you know it's part of who you are but what does it mean to you to have a faith um i, I it's a guidance it guides me it guides me uh, with everything that I do, you know, because I have this flow, this chi inside me, like Chinese say chi, right? So, you know, it gives me a lot of strength. 
it gives me a lot of strength to face adversity or to go day to day, uh, go through life day to day challenges. So it it helps me, uh, not to take things for granted or to get too affected by life. Uh, it gives me time to you know sit back and think about things and then recollect myself and then go through life again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. That's so beautifully shared, and I really thank you for you know sharing all your. Um, insights and experiences. I'm sure it's going to help a lot of people who listen yeah. to this, to this uh, you know, podcast and this uh, Facebook Live. So, I would like to uh, close, if you would allow me, uh, with a very short um, five-minute prayer or meditation, if you will, uh, to connect with our own truth. So, mm-hmm. we, if it, you know, whatever your um, tradition guides you. You know, we just close our eyes, sit in a moment of silence to just reflect on everything that we have shared in the show and just reconnect and connect with that source of um, love, that source of truth uh, within us, within you. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I think it would be a very beautiful way to close, um, if you will. So I just invite everybody who is listening to also join us and close your eyes and just take a deep breath, a very, very short moment of silence. And also today is actually the trans day of remembrance for a lot of us here in North America. It's the day of remembering and honoring the lives of transgender people that have been lost to violence. So I also would like to take this moment to invite everybody to close your eyes and remember and honor those ones who have left us before their time and just send our love and light to them. As we connect with our own source of truth, our source of power. So thank you for the opportunity to offer a silent meditation, prayer, if you will, um, November 20th on this day. 
it's it's actually very uh, special that we're having this talk today um, on on this day. So, yeah. So I really hope that this this is going to be the first of many 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 um, conversations about how we as LGBTQ queer folk can stand up tall and um, to reclaim our sexual uh, our sexuality, reclaim our spirituality for the um, greater good. So, Chris, do you have any um, closing words before we uh, say goodbye to our beautiful uh, audience out there? Well, I just uh, I just wish everyone a good day. Please take good care of yourself. Uh, look after yourself and look after each other. Uh, yeah, I think uh, be kind and be compassionate. I think that's really important. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you, Iris, again for making the time to share your very, very profound story and insights with us today. And so to everybody out there who's listening, watching, this is Desiree coming to you with Iris today. Be queer, be loved, be the light that the world needs. Until next time, take care, be safe, and be well. <laughs>